we had a conversation with our listeners and we're like, hey, this is part of our experience. This is where we are in the journey. So I think that our radical transparency and the, the way that we just converse on the podcast, it's very conversational. A lot of our listeners say that it feels like they're just sitting down with their girlfriends, having a drink and unwinding from a long week. And so that's, I think that's why they gave us so much grace as well is because they were really on the journey with us and we invited them on the journey. We invited them behind the scenes. I'm Jennifer Tribe, and this is Supercasters. On this show, we interview world-class podcasters and industry experts about practical podcast growth strategies and how to build sustainable, independent businesses that thrive on a strong relationship with your listeners. Today on the show, I'm talking to Terry Lomax, co-host of the Cultivating Her Space podcast, which now, after three years running, sits at nearly 3 million downloads. Terry's journey with her co-host, Dr. Dominique Broussard, is an instructive one, I think, because the two women started their show from scratch. They really had no pre-existing audiences or followings. They had no experience in podcasting. And yet, here they are today with a large and loyal audience and full-time incomes enabled by the podcast. Let's be real. Terry says it wasn't easy. She admits growth was slow in the beginning, slower than they would have liked. They made a lot of mistakes, but they learned from those. And now they feel they found a good groove and are looking forward to even bigger things down the road. In this chat, we talk about a number of Terry's hard-won lessons and the things she and Dominique ended up discovering that really made a difference in their growth trajectory. Plus, in the extended interview for premium subscribers of this show, Terry talks about the process of choosing a co-host, including the key questions you need to ask of any prospective partner and some of the gotchas to watch out for in a co-hosting relationship. So if you've been thinking about divvying up the workload or changing up the format of your show with a co-host, you'll want to have a listen to that for sure. If you're not already a Premium Supercaster subscriber, go to premium.supercast.com and click sign up for free to get access. Remember, extended interviews aren't the only perk of being a premium subscriber. You also get audio recordings of all our Supercast blog posts, access to our AMA, Ask Me Anything area, where you can drop your questions for Supercast CEO Jason Suhoy, and membership in the Supercasters networking community, where podcasters are swapping tips and advice with each other. Hi, Terry. Welcome to Supercasters. Hello, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about cultivating her space today. So this is a podcast that you started about three years ago with a co-host. And now you're at 3 million downloads plus, getting about 110,000 downloads per month, uh, 5,000 plus followers on Instagram. So great success at this point. Um, So I'm excited to hear about uh, your story, some of your challenges, some of your successes. So why don't we start with you telling us just a little bit about what this podcast is all about? For sure. Absolutely. Jennifer, I will say we're close to 3 million, but not quite there. So I just want to put it out there just in case folks are like, wait, 3 million, but almost, almost there. And basically, Jennifer, my co-host and I, we were two, you know, working women. We were working full time and we actually met at a conference. I was speaking at a conference um, at a university that she worked at and we just hit it off after the session that I facilitated. And we were like, you know what? Let's meet up and figure out how we can start something for our community. And so when I think about the podcast, Cultivating Her Space, HER is an acronym for healing, empowerment, and resilience. And so we created this podcast because we didn't really see a space where 
Black women like us could just let our hair down and just talk about the real things that we were going through. Some of the things like microaggressions at work, things that were very unique to our community. And so we wanted to create a safe space for Black women and women of color to just come to be themselves, to hear about conversations that related to the personal things that they were going through that many of the mainstream media outlets may not have either known about or didn't create space for. And that's what the podcast is all about. We talk about everything from fibroids to fake friends. Uh, the topics get a little risque sometimes. They get a little deep. They get a little fun. We have a little bit of everything on our podcast. So you were at a conference, had nothing to do with podcasting or the topic of what ended up being your podcast. You guys just hit it off on a personal level and said, there's got to be something we can do together. Is that basically how it went? Literally, Jennifer, that's what happened. But you know what's funny? When we look back on our journey, like I was looking through my iPhone, looking through the notes, and I saw years ago, I was like, yeah, I want to start a podcast. And these are the topics I can talk about. I forgot all about that. And she also had in her journal years ago, I want to start a podcast, but we literally both had no idea how to do it. We were literally failing forward and we were clueless about the process. But I like to say that when your why is big enough, the how becomes easy and the the amount of work that's required, it doesn't really matter because your why is so big. And we had a very big and compelling why that was bigger than ourselves. And so I think that's what really allowed us to push forward through this journey. So tell us about those early days and how you decided on what the podcast would look like and how you were going to launch it. Yeah, I will say I'm so grateful for my co-host because we work so well together. I don't know if I could have done this journey by myself. You know, it, the early days were definitely rough. If you go listen to our first episode, for instance, okay, <laughs> go listen to our first episode. You'll notice that you can only hear audio out of one ear. <laughs> my co-host and I were recovering perfectionists. And so my old self that was not in recovery, I would have been like, no, I can't share this episode. It's not perfect. But I realized that we have to value progress over perfection, right? So there are plenty of episodes where the audio is so bad, especially during those times where you know we had to do virtual interviews and the internet connection was not trying to let us be great. And so we decided, you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to still public, publish the episode because it's a quality episode. We'll add a little disclaimer in the beginning to let folks know, like, beware, this episode, it's not the best quality as far as the way it sounds, but the content is high quality. And so those were some of the things we experienced in the beginning. Um, we also struggled to find a place to record. We didn't have a studio. So we were in libraries or at the job after hours, or sometimes I was in the closet because I have uh, an infant and so I didn't want it to be loud. And so we were definitely pretty scrappy in the beginning. And it was all about failing forward. I mean, we learned so many lessons. Oh gosh, Jennifer, something else. Are we talking about failure right now? Can I just go into all the failure? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we um, we you know had someone create our cover art for the podcast. And again, we're new to this. So we were like, okay, great. We found someone by posting on social media. And one day I was cleaning up my house and I like to have YouTube music playing in the background. And so I had this random YouTube video up and I noticed that the podcast cover art that we had, the same woman that was in our cover art was on this background on the YouTube video. And I was like, wait a minute, that's our image. Who's using our image? Well, we didn't own the image. And so when I did a little research, I found that the person that created our cover art, they literally just took this random image online. We could have done this ourselves and like plastered words on it. So we had to do a rebrand. So we had to create a new image for our podcast. We then went through um, what well, we realized how amazing the podcast was because of our listeners. They were like, this is so great. We're like, okay, we need to trademark this. So we met with our trademark attorney and found out that we could not trademark the original name that we came up with. So we had to get creative and we had to rebrand our name. So those are some of the things that our trademark attorney told us. 
really discourages folks in the beginning. And they just want to throw their hands up and quit because it's, I mean, you've invested so much time. We were probably about a year and a half to two years in and had to change our image and our podcast name. So that's just some of the failure that we experienced throughout the podcast journey. Wow, that's tough. But to your credit, just embracing that is a learning opportunity, right? And I, and I really love that. We had a guest on a couple of episodes ago, Angela Brown, and she talked about that as well. It's like doing something imperfectly is better than doing nothing. Yes, absolutely. Hands down. And now we can teach other people and have conversations like this so that other folks can avoid running into the same mistakes we've made. So yes, definitely beautiful lessons. Yeah. So talk to us about the early days of audience building as you were stumbling through some of those mistakes. Were they with you right from the beginning? And and how did those mistakes, do you think, affected how you were building your audience? I would say initially, we were definitely looking at the numbers. You know, you publish an episode and you run to the analytics and you're like, how many downloads did we get? How many downloads? We were a little bit obsessive in the beginning, but I found that it just didn't serve us very well because it did feel, you know, a watched pot doesn't boil, right? And so the more we looked at the numbers, the more we were like, oh, we aren't really growing significantly. And so at one point, we just kind of put that aside and we were really focused on quality content. And I believe that our listeners, they did rock with us during those rough phases. We were very transparent about the journey as well. So when we decided to choose our new podcast name, which is still very similar to the name that we use today, luckily, we had a conversation with our listeners and we're like, hey, this is part of our experience. This is where we are in the journey. So I think that our radical transparency and the the way that we just converse on the podcast, it's very conversational. A lot of our listeners say that it feels like they're just sitting down with their girlfriends, having a drink and unwinding from a long week. And so that's, I think that's why they gave us so much grace as well is because they were really on the journey with us and we invited them on the journey. We invited them behind the scenes. And so in the beginning, I think that, yeah, we had a lot of support from our audience. Honesty, transparency, good ways to build a relationship. What are some of the other things you've done to cultivate? How do you hear from your listeners? Oh, for sure. I want to share with you how we grew and then also give some next steps that I recommend for anyone listening. One of the first things that we did was we knew who our Illa Farilla was and we created irresistible content. I know you're probably like, Terry, what is an Illa (laughs) Farilla? It comes from a word that we all know, your target market. And the Illa Farilla is your ideal loyal listener avatar. So ILA is an acronym for ideal loyal listener avatar. And I put the Farilla on there to make it fun. My students, they literally crack up when they use this word. So yes, know who your target market or your ILA Farilla is and create irresistible content. The way that we create irresistible content, one of the ways is asking our listeners the five what's. And I'll share with you how we get our listeners to talk to us. But the five what's are simple questions that allow you to get a gold mine of information from your audience. The first question is, what keeps them up at night? What are they thinking about at night? What are those things that's on their mind? A lot of times for our audience, what we find is that many of them are thinking about, how can I leave this day job? Don't tell anyone, but how can I leave my day job? I don't want to do this full time. I want to pursue my side hustle full time. So if we know that that's what our Illa Farilla is thinking about at night, well, what are we going to do? We're going to produce content that speaks directly to that and have some experts come on and give them amazing, highly valuable content that they would probably have to pay for anywhere else. The next question is, what is your Illa Farilla Googling? What are they interested in? And so when we ask our audience these questions, they let us know like, oh, I'm Googling self-care best practices or mental health, how to travel in the midst of a pandemic, right? And again, once we know that information, we deliver. The third question is, what is your Illa Farilla dealing with? 
What are they facing in their life right now? And we've, again, had a gold mine of information from our listeners by asking this simple question. The next question is, what does your Illa Farilla want? Do they want to pursue higher education? Do they want to, again, leave their day job? Do they want to go into a different field? Those are all valuable, valuable insights that we can get about our audience. And the last question is, what kind of conversations are they having with their friends? I get feedback about the podcast and a lot of listeners are like, oh my gosh, you guys are living in my head. Or you're like, are you spying on us in our home? My girlfriends and I were just talking about this topic. And so the cool thing about my co-host and I is that we are our ideal listener or our illiferilla. And so when sometimes when my co-host and I, we kind of have a brain fart and we're like, we don't know what to talk about. What should we cover on this episode? Well, you know what? Let's go back to what are the conversations that we're having with our girlfriends or our friends or our family. And when we lean into those topics, it tends to resonate with our audience. So those questions again, Jennifer, what keeps your illiferilla up at night? What is your illiferilla Googling? What is your illiferilla dealing with? What does your illiferilla want? And what kinds of conversations are they having with their friends? And do you just ask them those exact questions? So we actually have a Google form survey that's branded for the podcast. And we, at this point, we probably have about nine to 10 questions because we don't want to ask too many questions where someone's like, oh my gosh, I don't feel like doing this extra work. So we try to find uh, nine to 10 questions, right, that we ask. And we start with a really fun question and then we go into some of the demographic information. So we want to learn about their location, some of their favorite products. How can we make the podcast 10% better? Um, how much of the podcast they listen to. And I find that this survey is so valuable for us. Literally, if we have a brain fart, we can go into the survey, get the data, create an episode that speaks to whatever trends that we see. But it's also really valuable because when we pitch sponsors, we now have data and analytics to speak to. Oh, we have 96% of our listeners are Black women. 95% are in the US, although we have a global reach. 50% listen to 100% of the podcast. So we have data that we can use to offer value to our sponsors as well. And you find just giving them open-ended questions, like for example, what keeps you up at night, that they will just freeform tell you all of this, the things that are on their mind? Believe it or not, yes. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or what. So what we've done is we've added the survey to the link in our bio. We also talk about the survey on our podcast episodes. And the way that we frame it is, hey, if you've gotten value from the podcast, we would love for you to give us some value back and speak to us. This is a conversation. That's what we typically say. This is a conversation. So feel free to go to our website, click on this link and let us know more about you. We promote that in the episodes, again, in our LinkedIn bio, sometimes in our stories, or we personally reach out to folks. We're in the DMs, either sending videos or voice notes to make it more personable and to let folks know like we're really interested in creating more content for you. And we find that our listeners, they do show up and they want to tell us, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what's going on in my life. And again, it's a goldmine. You'd be so surprised how people respond and what they will tell you about themselves that you can go and create content for. It'll be beneficial to everyone that listens. So you just leave that survey open all the time and you promote it in every episode? We don't promote it in every episode. We don't have like an, uh, a static advertisement or anything, but we'll usually just kind of promote it casually as we're having conversation because we try not to be too salesy or too pushy when we're asking folks to, you know, take action. Um, but we do promote it in a lot of our episodes and on social media as well. 
And I do want to say, Jennifer, if you visit monetizewithterry.com, I'll actually show you how to create the Google form. I actually have a guide on 45 insightful questions that you can pick and choose based on your target market. So some of the questions that we ask, they may not be suitable for you, but if you go to monetizewithterry.com, I'll give you some resources on what you can ask your audience to get that valuable data for yourself, but also for sponsors if you ever want to pitch sponsors. That's awesome. So we'll put that link in the show notes. I do want to say many people are also waiting for us to give them a next step or a call to action. And so I would highly recommend in every episode, at least have something that you want your listeners to do. We were doing some green room episodes, Spotify's platform. And one of the things that we did, just testing things out, we told our listeners, hey, if you finished, if you got to the end of this episode, go to our Instagram and drop some green hearts in the chat. And so randomly throughout the week, I would just see people posting green hearts. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. They literally took the time to follow us on social media add the green hearts. And that way we kind of had this insider with them. Like, okay, you dot the green hearts. I know that you listen till the end. And then we respond to them in the comment section. So little fun things like that is always cool too, to see what resonates most with your particular audience. Yeah, that's clever. I like that idea because you are building that insider language, right? You're talking in this code of green hearts. So number one, you know, who's listening all the way to the end, you know, who is responding to your call to action. And then you've got a way to interact with them. So you can respond and say, thank you so much for leaving us the green heart. Exactly. I love it. I love it. (laughs) All right. And maybe we could put a link to your Google form in the show notes as well. Would that be okay? So people can see the form that you're using? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. We can definitely do that. Okay, awesome. These five questions are obviously getting into deep questions, but I love question number two. What are they Googling? Because you're basically like, give me the keywords we can optimize for. So then you can SEO optimize your episodes and your show notes. Absolutely. That's spot on, Jennifer. Another thing we do is look at the reviews, of course, from our episodes for constructive feedback, but also for things that people want to hear. So one of the things that um, a lot of our listeners reached out about, they were like, oh, can you do an episode about daddy issues? And so we're like, okay, cool. We're going to do that. We partner with another podcast and we had this conversation. So four women, four different women are all talking about their unique experience with their dads. And the amazing thing about that episode is it gave our listeners four different perspectives right, or narratives that they could potentially relate to. And this episode did extremely well. We had a listener that commented on iTunes in a review and she's like, I listened to this episode at work and it had me crying at the office. I mean, you don't want to make anyone cry, but I'm assuming that it was like a therapeutic or cathartic cry, a healing cry. Um, And the episode has more than 20,000 views at this time. So it's literally continuing to grow. And so because we saw that folks resonated with that, we're like, okay, well, we have to do an episode about mommy issues as well. And so we talked about mommy issues. We then talked about narcissistic parents because we realized that folks really wanted to see that content. I do also want to speak to two other strategies that enabled us to grow so quickly, Jennifer. The other one is getting features in media outlets where our target market hangs out and also consistency. So we've been podcasting for almost three years, Jennifer, and I know this might sound daunting, but we release episodes every single Friday for the past two and a half years. No, I say no days off with air quotes because we have taken days off, but we bulk record so that we can vacation. During the midst of podcasting, I had an extremely rough year. I think many of us did 2020, but for me, 2019 was like my 2020. That was the year where I lost my grandmother, um, who I was very close with. That's the year that I had a miscarriage and I was going through fertility treatments, six rounds of IUI. And in the midst of that, my co-host and I were recording. However, we did have a chance to give me rest to heal from these experiences because we bulk recorded and sort of prepared ourselves for that time. My co-host is traveling in January 
And we have episodes bulk recorded up until February to make sure that she can travel and we can continue to release episodes for our listeners. How important do you think that consistency was in terms of building momentum for your growth? I honestly think that it is crucial. People are trying to find you know, their own routine and their own rituals. And so the more consistent we are, the better that we will allow our listeners to add us into their routine, right? Or their rituals. When we're not consistent, it allows folks an opportunity to not be consistent, to show up for us. And so I do believe that consistency is key. And I do have some next steps for the listeners. If you want me to share, I can hold off and wait for these, but I have an acronym for them and it's FLIP. That's FLIP with a PH. Okay. And what does FLIP stand for? Let's dive on in. Yeah. Okay. So FLIP, P-H-L-I-P. So the P in FLIP is pitching. So pitch high profile guests. It gets you in front of the high profile guest audience, but also it boosts credibility. So we've had, um, we pitched recently Joy Taylor from The Herd, and we talked about Black women in sports media. And that allowed us to get an expert on our show, but also get in front of Joy Taylor's audience. We've had um, Yvonne Orji on our show recently. She's a big star on HBO Max's show Insecure. And so pitching high profile guests is a great way to align yourself with folks that are already established. I would also say pitch yourself for podcast interviews and media features. So as a podcaster, you know how to interview, right? You know how to speak on the mic. So pitch yourself for other podcasts where your target market hangs out. We've done that as well. My co-host and I, we divide and conquer. She's a therapist and mental health expert. So she goes and she pitches herself to speak on mental health podcasts. I'm the techie and motivational speaker. So I pitch myself to be on podcasts. And then we bring people back to our podcast um, and then pitch sponsors. I reach out to brands that I already use because we're very mindful of who we invite to be a collaborator with us because we want to make sure that we're promoting good products and services. And so there are products and services that I love. There's a wrap company. I love to wear like a head wrap. So I took pictures of myself in the wraps that I purchased already because I'm already a fan and pitched this wrap company like, hey, I'm already a fan. These are the, uh, the analytics about my podcast. We'd love to collaborate. So that is the P in flip. The H is higher help. Delegation allows us to free ourselves up so that we can focus on income generating activities and creation. Have someone else focus on the tasks that don't bring us joy or the tasks that we're not an expert in. In the beginning, I was editing the podcast, Jennifer. And although I'm not an editor, I knew how to do it and I made it work, but it did not bring me joy. Editing is not for the faint of heart. There were times where I wanted to throw the laptop out the window because the editing just wasn't, it was very challenging. But now we have an engineer. Now we can just show up and hop on the mic and the engineer handles everything. Shout out to Daniel, our engineer. So I would say hire help when you can. And you can go to Fiverr. If you don't have a big budget, go to Fiverr. So hire help is number two. L is lean into your own area of expertise and sell your own products. This has been a great way for us to monetize early on. We're already building a connection with our listeners. So it's more of a soft sell, right? It's not even really selling. I like to call it a big serve. For instance, I have a podcasting course that teaches folks how to create irresistible content, how to set up the logistics of the podcast. And so on my podcast, right, I have a pre-recorded ad that I add in, or sometimes my co-host and I will casually talk about the course. I've had so many listeners sign up for my course because they already trust me. They already like me, right? We know that people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And so it's a missed opportunity if you're not selling something, right? Some type of offering that you have to your listeners. My co-host 
opened up her own therapy practice as we were starting the podcast and she's filled her her practice to capacity. She can't take any more clients right now. She's filled it to capacity by way of the listeners. So that is the L in flip. Now we're going to move on to the I. The I is identify your illiferilla and create irresistible content. We've already touched on that. So we have our five what's. And then the P in flip is publish at least once a week. I noticed that my students who are most successful, they publish episodes at least once a week. And my co-host and I have done the same and it has allowed us to grow very quickly. So should I do a quick recap here, Jennifer? Sure. Okay, so we have flip, P-H-I-L-P, pitching. So pitching high profile guests, pitching yourself for podcast and media features, pitching sponsors as well. Hashtag monetization. We want to make some money, right? Then we have H, higher help. We have the L, lean into your own area of expertise and sell your own products. We have the I, identify your illiferilla and create irresistible content. And we have the P, publish at least once a week if possible. And bulk recording can help you do that. Let's talk about the timeline for implementing some of these things. You talked in the beginning, you're doing everything yourself, a lot of challenges, challenges with audio, building the audience. Was it a slow build in terms of audience size or did you hit an inflection point or was it steady sort of upward growth? In the beginning, it was pretty slow. And then we noticed around the time that we got some features for the podcast, that's when we noticed, oh, there's a spike here in in our data. At this point, it continues to grow. It's pretty steady. And now that we have our hands in a lot of different things, so we're interviewing on podcasts, we're pitching ourselves for media features, we have high profile guests. So I think we have a lot of things working for us now, but I want to say that it was definitely slow and steady in the beginning. And we saw spikes around the times where we had those, those features. So that would be outlets like what? We had two features in one year for Black Enterprise, we had um, Forbes. We like woke up one day and there was a Forbes feature and we were just like, oh, this is cool. And like our podcast was mentioned along with Oprah's podcast. (laughs) Wow, congrats. Thank you. And Brene Brown, we were like, what? And a a few other folks that are thought leaders and folks that are killing it in their industry. And we were just like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, We had Hello Beautiful. There were a lot of other features, but I think for us, in addition to the features, it was also having high profile guests on. So Again, where are the podcasts in your niche that are doing well already? So Therapy for Black Girls, that is another great podcast because our target audience, our Illa Farilla, they listen to that podcast. So we had their host on our podcast to associate with the brand and also to offer value to our audience. And I do have a resource for folks, Jennifer, um, if you go to getthatpitch.com and use the discount code supercasters, you can get 20% off the Get That Pitch three-part series. I basically show you how to get contact information from high profile thought leaders and celebrities like Beyonce, Tom Cruise, Tony Robbins, Will Smith, I literally show you the tools that I use for pitching, but also show you this one platform that's absolutely amazing as far as getting the publicist information or contact information for high profile folks. I literally give you my email pitch. So the pitch that has been working for us for years, I give you that pitch template. You can literally copy and paste it, tweak it if you so choose, and you can use that for your pitches. And I also go over a strategy on how to get these pitches out there. So are you pitching like, hey, here's my podcast. Do you want to profile our podcast or do an article about us? Or are you pitching as the hosts, as subject matter experts on certain things like, hey, XYZ would be a great topic for an article in your publication and we can talk about that. And oh, by the way, we happen to be the hosts of a podcast. We've been doing pitches on our individual topics. My co-host as the therapist and the psychologist, 
she's pitching herself in that realm, right? So any best practices on mental health or any topics like that. For me, it's pitching on either the podcast and the growth that we've been able to get or my book or some type of inspirational topic, whether it's like imposter syndrome and overcoming that or moving forward with fear. So pitching ourselves individually and then, of course, plugging the podcast while we're on whatever platform we're on. So the host of Therapy for Black Girls, um, you mentioned having her on the show. There's obviously overlap in your audiences. Your co-host is also a therapist, correct? Yep. So how do you think about collaboration versus competition? Because we know that people will listen to about five shows at any given time. Like that's kind of their maximum. And so if you're trying to get into someone's list, you might have to knock another podcast out. So how do you think about that? You know what? That is a great question. Honestly, we've had so many therapists on our show. We have so many mental health experts and even people that are like in, I'm going to use the air quotes, competition with the work that I do in my brand. And I think initially there was a little bit of insecurity around that. Like, oh wait, should I have another podcast coach come on? It's like, I teach people how to create podcasts. But to be honest, in this phase of life that I'm in right now, I'm really big on spirituality and manifestation. And I really have an abundance mindset. And I believe that there's room for us all. And I don't feel that inviting someone on that is in the similar niche as me is competition because I think that people, you know, it's, it's okay to let the audience choose. We might have a podcast coach on and my audience might say, you know what? I resonate with this person's energy more or I click with them more. I'm going to sign up for their course instead of signing up for Terry's course. And I think that's okay because I really believe that with what, 7.6 billion people in the world, there's enough room for me to have the amount of students that I want in my course for me to reach my goals. That's kind of how I look at it these days. We're just like, how can we get the most value out to our listeners? And that is the honest truth. What are the plans for the future for the two of you and the show? Oh, goodness. So we are working on trademarking two aspects of our brand, the podcast name, and then something else that I don't know if I can share just yet. So we're trademarking that because we want to host more live events or maybe virtual events. We want to get more of this community feel. We know our listeners a little bit, but we want to really create a, a strong, solid community. And so I think that's what's next for us. Um, I would say some type of conference for sure. It's been a long time coming. We plan to host a conference in 2020, and then we all know what happened, COVID. <laughs> so we're trying to figure out how to make that happen in the future. And yeah, those are some of the big things that we're working on. And also merch. We're also, if anyone's listening and you have ideas on merchandise, let us know because we we did try this one brand. We have a very colorful logo, um, but when we ordered the product, it didn't do it for us. It just wasn't as amazing as the image on screen looked. And we didn't want to, you know, undervalue as far as the, yeah, sending out merch for our listeners where they see this amazing image on the website and they get it and they're like, this is it. So merchandise is something else that we want to get into as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for now. Okay. This has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Terry. Thank you so much for having me. That was Terry Lomax, co-host of the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Terry and I are now going to jump into the private interview room for premium Supercaster subscribers only, where we'll talk about the things you need to know when choosing a co-host and how to manage that relationship for long-term success. To become a premium subscriber and access that private interview, head over to premium.supercast.com, click the free sign up button, and in just a couple of taps, you'll have the extra content in your favorite podcast player. And if you liked this episode, tweet us at Supercast and let us know your biggest takeaway. Till next time, stay super out there.